I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She. Yeah, I would say that, you know, for me, the biggest leadership um, piece for me has been that I had followed my gut and it mm-hmm. consistently um, paid back that it, yeah. was, it was right. And the times when I did not listen to my gut, that I second guessed myself, that I let somebody else lead me to a decision that didn't feel right, but that I thought, well, maybe they know better. Mm-hmm. All in, in those moments were the times when I had made a mistake. Now, nothing is, you know, forever. Mistakes are there to teach us. So I don't ever think about it as a mistake. I think, oh, well, this is an example of me not following my gut Mm -hmm. and this is what happened and I can pivot and and course correct. Um, But it, it, all of those moments just only instilled more confidence for me in my gut, in Mm -hmm. following my intuition. At 27 years old, Julie Smolanski, CEO of Lifeway Foods, became the youngest CEO in history to run a publicly traded company. Lifeway Foods sells the healthy probiotic food, Kefir, and Julie has led the company's success from $12 million in annual revenues to $100 million today. In this podcast, she offers other women advice about self-care, delegating, and trusting our intuition. A driven leader, Julie's inspiration comes from her grandmother's survival in the Holocaust. Her own sexual assault drove her to produce movies, including the Oscar-nominated film The Hunting Ground on Netflix about college campus sexual assaults. She also began the nonprofit Test 400K, which has put a spotlight on the many untested rape kits in the U.S. What an incredible leader who not only heads a successful company but gives back in so many ways. I want to take a minute and thank our sponsor, Aspire Healthy Energy Drinks. I was introduced to Aspire when I interviewed Kim File, a successful executive and part owner of Aspire Brands, Inc. Check out Leading She Episode 13. I love them. Aspire Healthy Energy Drinks are great tasting, lightly sparkling healthy energy with no calories, no sugar, and no carbs. Aspire has healthy caffeine from green tea for smooth, sustained energy with no jitters and B and C vitamins that give me focus. I maintain a healthy and very busy lifestyle and drink Aspire every day. I hope you will try Aspire drinks. You can find nine great sparkling Aspire flavors at AspireDrinks.com. Use the code 10Aspire10, the number 10, the word Aspire, and the number 10 at AspireDrinks.com to get the Leading She listener discount. I'm very excited today. I have a special guest who has such a fascinating story of female leadership not only in her company, but some really important uh, nonprofit initiatives. I want to welcome Julie Smolanski, CEO of the publicly held company Lifeway Foods. She became the youngest CEO of a publicly held firm when she took over Lifeway Foods at the age of 27 in 2002 upon the death of her father. Since she has taken over the company, the revenues of the company have grown from $12 million annually to a right around 100 million today. She's expanded the company internationally. So welcome, Julie. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk to you. Oh, yeah. I am very excited. I'm getting, I'm getting my uh, goosebumps again because I've I just uh, loved uh, learning about your background and some of the initiatives you've done. Uh, let me talk about your career and I'll kind of uh, go into to questions for you. Perfect. The Lifeway Foods product, Kefir, is an Eastern European food product which has many health benefits as a probiotic. This is a dairy product. There is science that shows that the gut uh, affects many areas of the body, including our brain and mood. And we're going to talk about the product, but I want to talk about your background, too. Julie has been named to Fortune Business 40 Under 40, Fortune's 55 Most Influential Women on Twitter, and Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business, 1000. She is a graduate of University of Illinois in Chicago. She serves as a member of the United Nations Foundation Global Entrepreneurs Council and was part of the 2015 class of Young Global Leaders of the World Economic Forum. She's produced several films, including The Homestretch, Honor Diaries, and The Hunting Ground. In 2013, 
Julie co-founded a nonprofit and launched Test 400K, an organization dedicated to advocating the end of the backlog of 400,000 untested rape kits in the U.S. She lives in Chicago and is the mother of two girls. So welcome again, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired from listening to my, oh, my bio. <laughs> oh, I'm not done. Just wait. Uh, she, uh, Julie has had a great career at a relatively young age. She has many awards and many accomplishments. And of all my guests, and I think I've had, I've interviewed 38 uh, women, you were the only one that, uh, you know, your your assistant, Justine, said, yeah, she's not going to do a pre-podcast talk. Go out and listen to her podcast. So I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing for the last two, three weeks. Actually, back when I was on vacation, I was listening to them when I got my nails done and everything. So I have heard you. I have I have done a lot of research on you. So, Well, that's really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of material out there. That's there is a her. lot of material. So... I when try I try to like, I, I just try to, you know, when somebody asks me to join them on their shows or, you know, do an interview or whatever, I just try to be, you know, as generous as possible with my time and say yes to someone somebody asked. Oh, so it's, it's clear. Yeah, it's clear. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just, uh, you have said yes. Karen Case at CIBC said uh, that I needed to talk to you. I needed to welcome you to the podcast. And Karen was a guest. And so I'm so impressed with you, everything you've accomplished. And I relate to you in a lot of ways. And we'll get into some of this. So I want to uh, get to your professional background. And I have some work things I want to address with you. But your personal background and story is so interesting. uh, And I want to get to that. But first, I want to talk about LifeWay foods product kefir uh i didn't know what it was uh i'm a baby boomer um but i talked to um some younger uh pretty health conscious women including mia here in the studio uh who records for for me and she said oh yeah kefir i use it every day yeah lifeway foods um my daughter 34 years old knew about kefir i didn't know about it uh so Tell us about kefir, why it's so important. I understand it originates from Eastern Europe, where your your family's from. It's a healthy food dairy product. Your parents brought it to the U.S. in Skokie, Illinois, and uh, started by fermenting this dairy product in their basement and began selling it. So tell us why it's so important. Yeah, well, um, that's, first of all, it's so exciting to hear that this younger generation of millennials know knows what kefir is and baby boomers don't know that's mm-hmm. like a, new, a, a flip that we've seen happen because kefir is actually a 2000 year old product it's one of the oldest um bacteria that that we know of that has survived and stood the test of time over these 2000 years um and it, it is a um a living live bacteria it's a friendly bacteria and it, its magic works when it's inoculated and introduced into milk and then um, fermented over, you know, between like 18, 20, 22 hours or so a day. And um, the, the chemical um, reaction between the bacteria and the lactose of the milk, the lactic acid, and um, it, for, it creates this effervescent, bubbly um, beverage that almost like the thickness of a smoothie or mm. a, a milkshake or something. And it tastes like yogurt. Like if you know, mm-hmm. you know, just you're familiar with yogurt or buttermilk, maybe it's got that kind of a taste. Hmm. Um, and it's drinkable. And it's it's really, you know, my ancestors considered it to be a gift from the gods. Mm-hmm. They said that they felt better when they consumed it. They just intuitively felt better. Um, and I always say they felt better. They knew in their gut that they felt better and there was something special and magical about this product. And um, it, it was a, a Cleopatra bathed in it. Marco Polo mm. wrote about it in this travel. So it's got a very storied um, history, lots of anecdotes associated with it. And then it was in 1908, just a hundred years ago or so when Dr. Ellie Mechnikoff, who's considered the grandfather of immunity, he did and published his first studies, the first studies that we know of 
around the medical and health benefits, the impact of um, of kefir and fermented dairy on our bodies, on our gut, on our microbiome. And this launched a hundred years, uh, thousands of research article studies, um, originally first being conducted in Europe and, and throughout European countries, mostly in other languages. And it took, um, you know, for my family to immigrate and migrate here in 1976. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. the research and the word, you know, that my, my family started, you know, really talking about the, the research and whatnot. Um, and, and then that prompted, you know, American researchers to jump on board and confirm Dr. Mechnikoff's research and scientists, other scientists. And so, you know, we've, we, we now know um, so much more about the impact of gut bacteria, of friendly bacteria, of kefir and probiotics and fermented foods and the microbiome. And we haven't even scratched the surface. Mm. We think we know a lot, but we haven't even scratched the surface. We, every few days, we're just learning about new conditions, new ways that the kefir mm. um, can help uh, the body. Even around COVID, we've seen studies now happen and being published around the fact that kefir can help reduce COVID, um, it can help reduce symptoms of COVID and help boost your immune system. And so that's very powerful. But Good. there's also new research around um, um, around the gut and mind uh, and, and uh, mind um, and mood boosting elements yes. that kefir can help reduce stress, depression, mm-hmm. and anxiety. So we, we have so much to learn, but we do know that there is so much great meant you know benefits to to consumption and so so yeah it's got this two thousand year history that science has finally caught up to to uh to the stories yeah kefir isn't something i was familiar with but i do take a probiotic and i am very health conscious so you can be assured that your sales will go up from cincinnati ohio i'm going to order some things you have a you have a lot of products so um before we get into your professional experience, I want to talk about your background um, because it's so it's so unique. Julie came to this country in 1976 at one year old, one year old. Uh, mm-hmm. Her parents uh, were a group of 49 uh, people who were Soviet Jews seeking exile from the Soviet Union and were refugees coming to the U.S. Your great grandparents were murdered in the Holocaust. Your grandmother survived, uh, really making her way to a forest and stayed there and survived. Uh, Your parents came here with very little money, did not understand the culture nor speak the language. Uh, Your father was a mechanical engineer. Your mother started a deli. So talk about this really unique background and how it's influenced you personally in your life. Yeah, I mean, you know, my family story has really inspired me my entire life. Um, it, and has kind of just given me um, a reason to push and thrive, you know, not just survive, but thrive. Um, you know, my, my, when I think about the fact that my grandmother survived the Holocaust and the work that it must have taken, the the strength and courage to survive uh, the Holocaust mm. and, and World War II, um, and I and then I think you know the the magic the the the, the just all of the journey, the destiny to to have her survive, and what was the purpose of that, and then for her to you know, have my father and then for my parents to have me, um, that there was some greater reason for that. And yep. so it was kind of an existential mm-hmm. um, consideration that I have about my family and myself and uh, all the miracles that had to happen along the way for me to be in this place. And that I'm really standing on the shoulders of my ancestors who um, did everything they could to to thrive, you know, to live and thrive so that I could thrive. Mm. Um, and so I feel that I just, you know, to whom much is given, much is expected. And I want to live out their their dreams for their uh, their generation. You know, mm. we always talk about that we're whatever we're doing, it's for the next generation. We want to leave something for the right, re- you know, pass the baton, whatever. And I really just want to live those those principles and those values, um, mm-hmm. and I think about them all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like 
you know, I mean, I didn't have that background, but I mean, it's almost like it sounds like you're saying, you know, your great grandparents were murdered. Your grandmother survived. And it's like, you know, it sounds like you look at it like, hey, I'm, you know, I have an obligation, you know, to she gave me life, you know, and to give back and, and just, you know, wow. Yeah. Big. Yeah, I do feel really like I have an obligation to to I've been given an opportunity. I'm mm-hmm. here. I'm in, you know, America in in the greatest land mm-hmm. um ever. Like what I I'm so fortunate and lucky that I made it here to this country where, mm-hmm. you know, democracy prevails. It's tested, but it's prevail it prevails and there's no other country that has these values mm-hmm. and I want to embody them. Yeah, no, you have. And we're going to talk about some of this. Um, um, we're going to talk about your professional experience. I believe you were in grad school when you had been resisting coming to work for your family c- company, coming to work for your father. Right. And in 1997, you were at the company one day and you heard your father on the phone with customers and something clicked in you. Talk about that. Yeah, you know, he was talking about marketing messages and, you know, the benefits that we know of Kiefer and um, how it really just changes people's lives and they feel better and their, you know, health improves. Like he was going on and on about various health benefits. And it just kind of dawned on me that so many of the people I was talking to in the field of psychology, that health was such a big factor in their struggling and suffering. And I just sort of realized it in that moment that, you know, I have um, the ability to scale my purpose, which was to help reduce suffering. Um, And I could do that through a private company, through a business enterprise. And my father had already built and laid that foundation. And I was really interested in food and nutrition. I was actually interested in how dieting um, and advertising messaging impacted dieting behavior and, and people's, you know, just um, thoughts around um, their bodies and their self-care and, and things like that. And so it just, that was the moment when it just clicked where it made total sense that I would come and help my dad mm-hmm. um, and help build Lifeway and help um, help spread the messaging around kefir and mm-hmm. probiotics and gut health. Yeah. So, yeah. You're, you're a good businesswoman. I mean, it's almost like, you know, what we resist sometimes with, we like, I'm not going to go work with it. And it's like you had kind of your dad and your mother's, you know, ambition and motivation. And so you, you did it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I saw, I, I think as a kid, a teenager thought like business is capitalist and <laughs> capitalist somehow being bad and like the harm of our society. But at that moment, you know, I also saw that business could be a force for good and that, you know, entrepreneurs can change the world. Mm-hmm. And I really just, I saw it in that moment and it just made all the sense to me. It was like, here's what I was looking for. This is exactly what I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. And uh, my dad was really thrilled. He just wished I took a business class because I had never <laughs> taken a business class. And all of my learnings was just really intuitive. And I just mm-hmm. picked it up from watching them and, you know, growing up at the dinner table, listening to to conversations that my mm-hmm. parents had. And so it was really intuitive. I got an education at home, sure. um, business education at home. Yeah. I mean, um, what I see in you and many women that I talk to in the podcast do this, they have their own companies and part of their mission, part of what they do is they use it as a platform to work on other things. They, they have visibility, yes. and, and that's what you're doing. You're using this as a platform. We're going to talk about some of these initiatives. So, yeah, I just, I see it in you. Um, Thank you. Let's we'll talk about the background, the years of kind of what happened um, here when you took over the company. Your family brought Kiefer to the U.S. He formed Lifeway Foods in 1986, took it public in 1988. You joined in 1997. And then in 2002, I'd like like you to talk about what happened uh, when your father died suddenly. 
Yeah. So in 2002, when I was 27, he was 55. Um, he had a sudden heart attack. Um, it was on a, a beautiful, sunny summer morning. Mm. Um, and he passed away. Um, and that night when uh, friends would come and gather at my mom's house and, you know, help the, the grieving spouse and the grieving family, um, his best friend, just a few minutes, a few feet away from me said, well, that's it. The company's over. There's no way a 27-year-old girl mm. could run a company, sell all your stock. Lifeway is over. And I would say, you know, I, I that moment really launched me and uh, fueled me. And I have uh, basically tried to prove him wrong and prove the world mm -hmm. wrong every day since that moment. But yeah, I mean, just hearing that, you know, he wasn't a believer in me, that he didn't have faith or confidence and getting that no really inspired me to push through it and, mm. and prove him wrong. It just, it fuels me to this day. And mm -hmm. I'm sure that, you know, most people can relate to that no or that door that closed in their face or, you know, that person who did not have faith. And it's sort of a fight or flight response that kicks mm -hmm. in. My, yep. my fighter response, I've learned I have a very strong fighter response, which has gotten me to where I am, um, <laughs> sometimes at a detriment, but, you know, it, that, that kicked in and I, you know, just went to work. I put my head down and, um, have been doing it since I'm really tired. I'm exhausted, but <laughs> I, I have a great self-care routine, which helps me yes. um, refresh and, and kind of, you know, refuel for the, any new, new tasks that come up and, and mm -hmm. come up every day. So, um, yeah, so I just, uh, you know, started th that, that minute, it pushed me into, um, a place of courage and strength and fighting warrior spirit. Mm -hmm. And um, the next day, uh, the board voted me in. It wasn't, you know, completely easy. Actually, our uh, in our attorney at the time, um, he's no longer our attorney, but he was fighting to become like interim CEO. And he mm. was telling my mom and the board that we needed some gray hair on um, as the CEO, <laughs> you know, somebody with some gray hair to really lead. Yeah. And um, I just gave like a pretty passionate speech, you know, to, to have to go against my, you know, 60 plus year old securities attorney um and and you know tell the board and convince the board that no it shouldn't be him it should be me and here's mm -hmm. why right um and i and i gave a pretty passionate speech and um you know my father over the five years that i'd worked with him he had pushed me out in front of every opportunity that that he could he mm. had me present at every board meeting so here i was a 27 year old kid or even younger and he had me at every board meeting giving presentations and at every shareholder meeting he had me stand up and do a presentation and when he was asked what would happen because it's kind of a one-man show at the time um, even though we had like 70 employees, it was really, it was not quite like the team that we have today. Um, anyways, everyone said, Mike, you're a one man operation. What's going to happen if God forbid you pass away? And he would always say, well, I've been um, teaching my children and I've taught my daughter everything that I know. And um, I have full faith and confidence Good. that they would be able to take it over without yeah. even thinking. And that's literally what happened, but it was his confidence in us, him mm -hmm. articulating that in a public way, um, which really helped, I think, full, um, kind of secure our, our confidence sure. and secure my confidence and yeah. help me kind of trailblaze. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's basically what happened. And then I got voted yeah. in and I've been doing it ever since it right. made, you know, became the youngest female CEO of a publicly traded company. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's really a great story and it happens suddenly. And, uh, you know, here, here's this guy that underestimated you and, uh, your ability to come in and called you a girl for one thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, you're a 27 year old woman after all, right. and you'd been working right. with your dad for five years. And I relate to the fight or flight, uh, scenario. It's not always, it can really be beneficial when you're fighting something and be a warrior, but it can, there, there's a price to pay there too. Yes. And yes. I've found in a male dominated business that when people underestimate me and say, 
she's not going to be able to do it. She can't do it. She, there's no place for women in this business. I, it fires me up. 100%. Yeah. I think a lot of us have experienced that. I'm sure all of us have experienced mm-hmm. that in our lives, in our history, with a teacher, with, you know, whatever. Um, I think that being underestimated is a, a really fun place to mm-hmm. be. Um, I think a lot of special moments happen in that um, middle of underestimation, uh, you know, and um, there there's just so much to be learned. But you're right. It comes with a price because you have mm-hmm. to learn when it's beneficial and, you know, makes sense to go in and fight. And when that fight, anger, response can cause harm. And I've had that have both ways. Well, <laughs> you you're know, much, uh, you're much younger than me. Uh, I think you're, uh, I'm 62. I think you're what, 46? Um, yeah, I'm, f- I'm 45. I'll be 46 45. in April. It's okay. coming. It's coming. <laughs> but you, you've realized that sooner than I have, I continue to fight and be a warrior. And yeah, so it, yeah, that's my story. But um you know, I relate to it uh, a lot about what oh, you're saying. Oh, trust me, I struggle every day to resist <laughs> the fight. I, it is one of the hardest things is to really know when it's worth using your yes. energy and when it's better to reserve that for something else. And let and it go, you know, let it go, yeah, release yeah. it to the universe, right? Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. The company has had incredible growth since you've taken it over uh, since 2002 you know, $12 million in revenue to $100 million in revenue annually. How did you do it? It's a public company. What were the keys to growing the company? Um, well, I followed my gut. You know, that was the biggest thing. I, I trusted my gut. I trusted my intuition. I really leaned into that and a lot of hard work. Um, and, you know, things like, you know, building a team, people say that, but like, who do you put on the team? And in all of those situations, I just followed my gut. I did not take any business class, like I mentioned. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, really did not have the business acumen. I didn't go to Harvard. I felt like just, I was out of my element. And the only thing I had going was my intuition, my legacy, my family history, the intuitive um, education that I got from, you know, growing up with, with my family as my guides Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. you know, my parents. And, um, those were, those were kind of the things that helped me, um, lead the company. Um, I did have a, a small bit of education, um, in like, like I said, advertising and, uh, you know, consumer behavior around um, kind of making, make how people made healthy d- lifestyle decisions. Mm-hmm. Those were things I studied. So yeah. I did have that, um, that kind of practical um, foundation. And it was obviously very helpful around leading a company that was trying to get people to make healthier choices in, in their day. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that was, was very beneficial, but yeah, I would say that, you know, for me, the biggest leadership um, piece for me has been that I had followed my gut and it mm-hmm. consistently um, paid back that it yeah. was, it was right. And the times when I did not listen to my gut, that I second guessed myself, that I let somebody else lead me to a decision that didn't feel right, but that I thought, well, maybe they know better. Mm-hmm. All in, in those moments were the times when I had made a mistake. Now, nothing is, you know, forever. Mistakes are there to teach us. So I don't ever think about it as a mistake. I think, oh, well, this is an example of me not following my gut mm-hmm. and this is what happened and I can pivot and, and course correct. Um, but it, it, all of those moments just only instilled more confidence for me in my gut, in, mm-hmm. in, in, um, in uh, following my intuition. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I would say that's important is to remember that women have been leading through crisis for since the beginning of time yep. and that it's only because of, you know, cultural reasons that um, women became um, underestimated and second guessed and not believed mm-hmm. and not listened to and not respected. And so um, when I think back to my ancestors and my DNA and my lineage, I know that I have strong women in my history that have led through crisis before. And I can 
um, kind of rely on that knowledge uh, mm-hmm. to, to help me make those decisions and for me to stand strong in those decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I agree with you on the gut. And the older I get, the more experience I have, the more my intuition is fed by Susan, trust the feeling you have here and uh, not make decisions impulsively, kind of take counsel, but go always go back. And it's hard to describe it, you know, because it is a an emotional energy, a mental, you know, it's kind of like an energy you have about a situation and you just have to trust it. It's for me, it's never been wrong. That, that it's feeling. never wrong. Mm-hmm. And the flow, once you know it, it's it's a really beautiful flow to practice in. I mm-hmm. mean, I have so much gratitude for it. It's almost like these, like, um, you know, like, like, like my, my fairy godmother or, you know, these angels, like, I think your gut feelings are angels, your, your, your angels that are helping mm-hmm. guide you. Mm-hmm. And um, every time I have a decision at hand or some important, um, project or whatever it is, I really go through this practice, the meditation, you know, I think that brings us closer to these answers. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, when I, when I look at these, these signs, maybe, um, these are, these are ways that have helped me make strong decisions for the company Mm -hmm. that have been right on every single time. And when things don't go my way, it's really easy to get frustrated to say, Oh, you know, we missed that. Or we, we, uh, you know, didn't respond fast enough on a deal or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. There's always a reason. I always think there was a reason why this happened and it always, it's just never been wrong. And I always have so much gratitude for that, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, being able to have, time to even come to those answers to be mindful of um of the answers i you know i i've been in moments when i have not been mindful and not been in that flow and not been considerate of my intuitive feelings and that's when the mistakes happen so yeah having the time to be still to hear those answers to let them come to you Mm -hmm. i mean i feel like intuitively in our gut we know we know what the right next thing mm-hmm. to do is yeah for sure uh let's talk about delegating um i uh as a business owner ceo of my company i was part of vistage which is the largest ceo group you know yeah. in the world you're probably familiar with it. vistage yeah. uh, where thanks um we where we gave each other advice and the guys would tell me susan Hire somebody that takes care of 401k, insurance, manages the servicing, marketing, and then you do the things you do best, which is develop relationships and get deals done. Uh, I didn't do it, but I should have done it. They were right. And you're you're a CEO, and one of the things you've learned, and I want you to talk about it, is we can't do everything ourselves. We have to rely on our people um, and... We have to stay 30,000 feet, do what we do best, and trust your people to get their jobs done and talk about delegating. Yes. Well, one of the best pieces of advice that I got that has carried me through my entire career, which I totally think that everyone should take on, um, and it was actually through a group like Vistage. It was called, it's called YPO. It's mm, a forum right. for young is a forum for young presidents to right. kind of kind of exact same experience. The idea is that you kind of get mirrored back, mm-hmm. um, you know, your things that you need to work on. You have a, a safe place to explore things around leadership or your personal life, whatever it is. And so anyways, one of the members gave me such great advice. It's Robert Passon. He's the um, CEO of Radio Flyer, a third generation is family business. They make the red wagons, the sure. red wagons. <laughs> So Robert had advice that he gave me then passed it on um, was, you know, when you go through your day, make a list of everything you do and then go through that list and take as many things off of that list and distill down to what only you can do, what no one else can do. Focus on that. And, and also what you like, you know, do the things you like Um, and everything else on the list see if there's somebody else that can do those things. Mm-hmm. And so I did that. I went through and I looked at, and I looked at the things that I was spending my time on. A lot of it was like administrative tasks or, you know, logistical things. And I was able to let other people do those things. And sometimes it, you know, one thing is to, 
for, for type A people, like I'm sure you are and I am yes. and so many of us are, you know, it seems easier to just do it yourself and to just, if you want something done, do it yourself. That's a, an old phrase that we all have used. Um, but what I've learned is that sometimes it's better to just let other people do it, even if it's not perfect, if it's not exactly how you would have done. You could do five other things that you've been really, the most important things in your life, in your day, in your career, in your job, in, in your in your company, um, in whatever. You know, I, I find that, that when you make that list, you come down to what you really want to do mm -hmm. and the things that matter the most you end up not doing and procrastinating on them and filling your day up with things that other people could do. <laughs> and sometimes I've also learned that other people are better at those yes. things. And so you might find that, you know, another thing that I've learned is to get the right people on the bus. Yes. And, you know, if you want to go good to great, you know, that book, yes. um, it, going good to great means put, putting people on to help you do the things that they, that they do better. So you could do what you do best Yeah. and just knowing what you're good at and what you suck at and leaning mm -hmm. into what you're good at and letting other people fill in where you're not so great at, or, you know, that you just don't like, I mean, yeah. there is, only 24 hours in a day. Um, there's really not a lot of time to yeah. do everything and yeah. let other people fill in. Right. Yeah, no, I've learned that and I've learned it the hard way. And I, I think only I can do something well. And, and I've done a lot of jobs that I'm not that great at because it's very highly intense, very tedious. I'm not, I don't like that work. So yeah, I had to delegate it. And one of the things that helps in delegation when you really truly delegate, scratch these things off your list, is something I've learned the hard way. And that is, and, I, and you're like me, I know this from listening to the other podcast, is you and I, I think it's safe to say, uh, we, get, we get juice from the pace, from the yeah. creativity <laughs> and the challenge and the competition and the people that are naysayers about us. I, I get... I get a lot of juice and adrenaline from that. And so it's totally. led to some workaholic tendencies of mine. Yes. Uh, yes. And I've really, and I wore myself out. I exhausted yes. myself. So yes. I know you've used exercise. I do that. I use exercise. I use meditation every day. Um, yes. I go out with girlfriends. Um, I have really been working at self-compassion and self-love. <laughs> Walking Same. in nature, lighting a candle. These are things I've heard about with you. So talk about self-care and how important it is for us to do it as busy uh, women leaders, women executives, women you know, business owners. Yeah, I think this is the most important thing that we could be talking mm -hmm. about because um, I agree with you that we get burned out and exhausted. And I feel that. I mean, I this pandemic has shown me how... Um, what pace I was going at and how there are consequences to it. And um, it, it, you do suffer from a, a emotional standpoint, mental health standpoint and physical standpoint. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, you know, have had my share of health crisis um, because of my workaholic, uh, mm -hmm. you know, hard, fast paced life. And um you know, it, it, without the self-care stuff, I, I don't know that I'd be here. You know, I would have probably just burned out and, uh, I would say the same thing about me. Yeah. yeah. And, and it makes you feel just better. I mean, I just love my days now. Mm -hmm. I, I feel so, um, so much gratitude to be where I'm at and, the self-care is my favorite part of the day. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. You know, I, I love moving my body and feeling my blood flow and it works with your creativity. You know, we learn that it's great for your brain health. It's the key to your longevity and the key to anti-aging. And, um, you know, I, it, it, it is the anecdote to suffering, it, you know, moving your body, having stillness in, in your breath. Um, mm -hmm. You kind of realize that the things that bring you joy are free. Um, it's, 
it is your breath. It mm-hmm. is uh, the sunlight, you know, vitamin D, I yep. realize is how important getting out into the sun every day is for me, especially um, um, eating foods that are wholesome and nourishing that, you know, I grew up, I was a child of the 80s and the 90s when, you know, it was Kate Moss and stick thin yep. um, models and, and you maybe with Twiggy a little bit before me yep, Twiggy. and uh, yeah. And other, um, I that kind of beauty standards and ideals that are really painful for women and men, you know, it, it these kind of ideals that become internalized. And if you're not living up to those standards, that there's something wrong with you, that you just right. don't deserve, you know, deserve to be in our society. If you don't look like Kate Moss, like that was the messaging that mm-hmm. I was growing up with. And, you know, the way that you would fix that was by going on a diet and, um, you know, dropping weight and making yep. yourself smaller, you know, making your, making right. yourself less than and, it was about deprivation and I hated it. You know, that's why mm-hmm. I studied. I, I, that's why I went into the field of study that I went into. I just, I hated it. And, um, learning that the, the way that we eat, it's about nourishing ourselves and filling ourselves with foods that help us thrive and help fuel our missions and yes. purpose. And if we all did that, we all, you know, leaned into that and lived our purpose and um, did had the courage and bravery to do what we were called to do. Um, that that to me is really an interesting and appealing mm-hmm. way to exist and what I wanted to bring to the rest of the you know world or mm-hmm. you know my universe. So you know, to me, it's just my career at Lifeway, the messaging. It just it's it's all part of the DNA of my, of my DNA, sure, um, literally and, and figuratively. But yeah, like I love that what what I get to do in my career is help inspire people to make those those good lifestyle choices that. Mm-hmm you know, that, that sh- say that they love themselves. Yeah. You know, self-care is a boundary. It's, mm-hmm. it's saying I matter. I love myself enough to take this moment, take this time to do the things that bring me joy and, right. you know, journaling, you know, just getting to know yourself better, um, to ponder life, yeah. to th- just think really big. Yeah. Um, and instead of thinking small as society in the eighties or nineties would have us distracted from. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, much is expected of us as women, um, you know, in our society, in our jobs, as, as a mother in our families, and we're not often valued, and we work very hard, and we don't get a lot of atta girls, and we have to do that for ourselves. We have to set boundaries around our time. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, I mean, I found myself um, running at such high speeds, like getting on a flight to yeah. go somewhere on a Friday night that I just didn't want to, you know, I especially found it hard to work through weekends because it just, it, you know, not having a break is really difficult, I think. Yeah. And, but anyways, finding that I was about to go on a stage to talk to, you know, uh, hundreds of people and there could be celebrities and it's beautiful and lovely. And none of that mattered because I was so tired and literally walking up a, you know, a runway or the terminal and having tears in my eyes saying like, I don't want to go. I just want to be home. (laughs) Um, And those are the moments where it kind of hits you like, Whoa, I'm pushing too much and I need to take a break and I need to, yeah. Um, but this pandemic has taught us, right? It's taught us a lot about our stillness around um, work, life, uh, mm-hmm. boundaries, yeah. balance. Where is where is life and where is work? Um, and 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 joy and finding um, joy in new places and being creative and sure. um, being you know having gra- gratitude for the very simple mm-hmm. things like the sunrise or sure. the sunset or the nature that's around us i think you know being um we're we're all learning how important nature is uh in green bath green bath uh they they call nature bathing mm. um going out by the trees and just you know being around plants is 
is important. Yeah. So, you know, we've, we've learned a lot, I think in the last year, especially and gut health, of course, is mm-hmm. uh, a big part of it sure. and, and following our gut because we don't have any, there's no rule book for what we're going through right now. And we're making it up as we go along right. and we need to be empowered and taking care of ourselves and, sure. um, you know, listening to our grandmother's remedies, great grandmother's remedies, um, um, and, and re- kind of thinking about what does self-care look like for each of us yeah. to get through these very challenging times. Yeah. Um, well, I want to go to another subject uh, about which I know you are passionate. Um, there is a sh- uh, shocking statistic out there that says that one out of four women in our country will be sexually assaulted by the time she is 18. Um, before you began working at Lifeway Foods in 97, I believe you were a counselor, a rape crisis counselor in Chicago. Um, and I'd like to to go in this podcast to something in your background that people did not know about you for a long time. Um, and that was that it, you had been sexually assaulted and you've said that it's okay to talk about it. Um, but I'd like to go on to some other things with this, with your film and so forth. And um, so I'd like you to talk about that sexual assault and um, Tell us, you know, you don't have to, you know, we don't have to talk about the details, but talk about this and why you're passionate about it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for um, bringing the question up. Uh, I think it's really, really important that we talk about this um, topic. Um, we, uh, well, you know, like you say, said, uh, I had experienced my own assault um, and shortly thereafter, um, I, I would say that I became an activist, um, probably again, that fight or flight response mm-hmm. kicked in and, um, I was really angry about, uh, kind of what had happened to me. And, um, I, that was my fighter response was to become a warrior of, of this area, and I helped write the first teen dating violence curriculum in Chicago um, through YWCA when I was a teenager. And I helped, um, you know, this was even before OJ. So just to give you a little yeah. time stamp. Um, so really started the conversation around violence and um, what like intimate partner violence or just gender-based violence um, was all about. and. I continue to do that work. Um, You know, like you said, I became a rape crisis counselor. And as I built my career and and came to work for for my dad and um, Lifeway and make the connections between, you know, self-care. This Mm -hmm. this is part of self-care is at Lifeway, the the work I do around food. And um, then... um, and then I, as, as my career continued to grow, um, the opportunity to join a film team uh, became an, an opportunity and I jumped on it. So I helped um, produce four films. Uh, most, uh, all of them are kind of in the violence against women space. Right. Um, and uh, basically just did, wanted to use my, um, knowledge my history of what this um what, what what sexual assault is about bring it to the surface um and have the co- hard conversations with our society um with with communities mm-hmm. help people have um tools to talk about these issues you know the hunting ground is um one of the films that i worked on most recently on the record um and uh that film gives voice to black women and it's the really the intersection of the black lives matter and the me too movement and i i wanted to help um people have tools to at least talk about what um what impact it has on our society and how we can really prevent it. I mean, I would say mm-hmm. preventing preventing sexual assault has become 
my purpose, my mission. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, in we, while I think it's obviously very ambitious to say that I want to end violence against women, um, I'm also a a realist and I understand that it's going to happen. And when it happens, that we should have a, a just response to it, that there should be resources for survivors, resources for communities and families, um, and that we should get better as a society to show up and be compassionate for survivors. Um, you know, we know that the impact, the long term impact for survivors is. Um, uh, similar to what war veterans go through, but survivors of sexual assault um, go through their lives um, most of the time in secret. Uh, it's you know still yeah. very stigmatized, very um, taboo. Even post Me Too, I find it's still not so easy to have these conversations. And um, you know, I I would say that that has been a big purpose for me. Yeah. It's, it has given me purpose that this, you know, really horrific experience, uh, that it, it has, um, really, right. Uh, not, it has not defined me, but it has definitely left, uh, a huge a stamp on, and, a stamp on yeah, you. Definitely. Yeah. Let's talk about the so, film. You produced, uh, you were one of the producers of a film called The Hunting Ground, which is on Netflix, uh, and it's about sexual assault of women and some men on college campuses throughout the country and the cover-up. And I think everyone should watch this film. Uh, my husband and I watched it last night, and I was really bothered by it. He was so disturbed that he had to take a sleeping pill to get to sleep. Um, yeah. It... Uh, in the stats, 16% of women students are sexually assaulted during their college careers. 88% of women who are sexually assaulted don't report it. A lot of repeat offenders, and the the rapes and the stories are awful. But what I learned about the about this situation and issue with in the movie is it's absolutely unconscionable uh, the disregard for the women who've been violated. Yeah, and there's not been a focus on believing these women and downplaying it. And uh, yeah. uh, these women have been raped, their shame and the backlash and, and just how colleges have oppressed it and why have they rep you know, repressed, repressed these, uh, these women. And it has to do with their reputations and uh, yep. admission success and, uh, and money. I mean, uh, yeah. if it's a sports, uh, a successful athlete and he's done it, it's like, well, let him play the big game, and then and then we'll expel him. So, it it it's left a uh, it's left really uh, an impression on me that I'm not <laughs> sure I'll be able to shake. So, well, thank you. I that makes me feel really great. Um, yeah, that that film, The Hunting Ground, was um, responsible for over 300 Title IX investigations across the country. I mean, that is really, really powerful. That's why I love the film work because we can scale the message and you know help the parents and students and college administrators and, and whatnot, all the stakeholders um, have conversations and tools and vocabulary to have these very hard conversations. And it, it's in every society and in every community, we see this um, where um, the, the regard for women and their safety is, is under-resourced or not resourced or just completely disregarded. And um, whether that's with the rape kits, you know, another, um, I would say, project that I've taken on was to help rape kit reform across mm -hmm. the country where we have 400,000 untested rape kits. I mean, there's elements all throughout our society where violence against women is perpetuated yep. and goes on with impunity. And, right. um, you know, it, it, it's, it's like, it's, it's, um, it's unconscionable. It's, it really is. It's a scandal. And it's why we get, I got out and marched in the streets yep. on the day after um, the 45th president was inaugurated um, because, you know, we heard those tapes and then he was still elected to the highest office. And it was like, well, what about this? There's 25% of our, of our females are 
survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the ripple effects of that, our communities, our families, like, um, you know, so it was, it was a really challenging four years for survivors. It was the catalyst for the Me Too movement. And I would think, I, I would, I think that the hunting ground was a big piece of it because when we were up on stage, I, I was on, on stage with Lady Gaga for the, Till It Happens to You, which was Oscars the song that was in yeah, 2016. Right. Right. So that was February 2016. And um, when we were up on stage and, you know, the, all the celebrities were in the audience and standing and sobbing and cheering for Mm. us and, you know, standing ovation, but they were all sobbing. And I knew that it wasn't just because our performance was moving, but it was because they were crying for themselves. They, we were a mirror for them. And um, I think that everyone went home that night really moved and people all around the world were moved. And that's why I wanted to do that film and Mm. why I felt it was um, important for me to share what I could with my, of my own story um, to help uh, um, reduce that stigma and and offer an opportunity for other people to say, um, you know, yes, this happened to me too, mm-hmm. or to get resources for it. Right. Um, but but those celebrities, I think, then the tape came out. The 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 um, the Trump tape came out in uh, October of that year, right. and then the he won and then the inauguration and then the women's march right organized and then meet the me too movement happened so it it and it was all overnight and i have to it wasn't overnight obviously but the me too piece of it that overnight within minutes you know people were sharing their and disclosing their stories of abuse and um, of harassment and violence. And mm. I think, you know, it, it, society will never be the same again now that we know what the truth is. Right. Um, and that's, that was very powerful, but, you know, for me to be working in this space as an activist for 30 years, um, over 30 years is, and to see this actually overnight blow up around the world is I've, fulfilled my mission in life. So mm. it feels like I can rest wow. and I can just now care for yeah. know, myself. I feel like the torch has been lit by the next generation and it's really, really special to be in this place and to be here and watching this happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, you know, I, I love that you, you know, take care of yourself and congratulations on, on this work. Um, I mean, it's Thanks. just incredible that you've you've done this and but i hope you don't stop i hope you i hope you continue <laughs> please do it um i hope you do thank you yeah i'm gonna end with a question you've got two daughters uh i just wonder you, you know you've just got such passion around things and you see the way the world is and what you've been through as a woman in business and then the, with these uh this rape that happened uh, what what kind of world do you want your daughters to live in? How do you want them to be? What, what do you wish for them? Oh, I wish for them to be respected and honored um, in the world uh, that they, you know, would never see um, up close what, you know, violence looks like, mm. um, that they're, you know, um, elevated and have resources to reach their highest ambitions and dreams. And that, you know, if God forbid, um, violence or trauma does enter their world, then I want them to have um, resources and all of the support and help around them to let them know that they could uh, recover and heal and restore wholeness. And Mm. um, mostly that, you know, there is light all around them, even in dark, in darkness, there is light and that they, you know, have the uh, support around them to get through any challenging time. Mm. And that, um, that, uh, that that they you know they will be able to go further and build a, a world that is equitable and safe and just for um, 
humanity, you know, yeah. all around the world, I think. That's beautiful. Really beautiful. And they're lucky to have you as a mother. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Well, hopefully one day, right now they roll their eyes at me. So hopefully <laughs> one day they'll pull this interview up and, and hear that message. <laughs> yeah, they won't now. I just, as they go through their teenage years, I'm telling you, it. Uh, they do They do come around though. I'll tell you as my yes. adult daughter. But yes. Yeah, but I do always say that to whom much is given, much is expected. So right. that's, a, a, I think, for all of us to right. remember. Well, you've lived up to that for sure. Thank and, you. Uh, I have been honored to to research you, get to know you better. I uh, would love to meet you sometime. Um, and uh, congratulations on your success, not only in your company, but all of the things you do. Thank you so much. This was so great to talk to you and share these stories. Yeah. Um, so thank, thank you, you so Julie. much for, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leading She. Please check out many other Leading She episodes, which are wonderful. We discuss challenges these accomplished women have overcome in their careers. Please subscribe to this podcast and rate it and review it. Follow Leading She on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have ideas and wisdom for women leaders.